Well, I just want to ask, uh, I'm not going to give a prize for this, but uh, who here is uh, struggles with uh, being claustrophobic at times? Anybody? Good. Good. To, thank you. This is a support group. Uh, because, yeah, we, we'll hug afterwards, but we can't be too tight. Uh, but uh, that's me. That's me. And <clears throat> I have found scripture to be so encouraging at times when, uh, when that becomes a reality in my life. I, that thing out there, what's that called? That's called a uh, elevator, thank you, but I don't like to say it. It's kind of like Fonzie saying he was wrong or wrong. Um, but, you know, I, my family, one time we were stuck in an elevator um, in, in Baltimore, and <clears throat> there were seven of us plus a few other people, and right before the elevator was going to close, these two women got on, and um, I should have shoved them off, but I didn't, and um, they got on, and, and the elevator was stuck, and, and before that, I said to my wife, I said, I think I'm just going to take the stairs, and she said, no, just please, come on, come, let's go as a family, and I said, no, I'm just going to take the stairs, she goes, no, just come on, and so I obeyed, and um, I went on the elevator, I wish I hadn't, so all seven of us plus a few other people, and uh, the elevator stops, and the door is not opening. And for those of you who are claustrophobic right now, maybe you're struggling with me, as I even tell the story. And, and the one woman uh, who came on late said, oh, boy, I shouldn't have had that extra piece of cheesecake. I want to strangle her um, for having that. But, uh, <clears throat> you know, it's not only elevators, but planes can be a big struggle for me. Uh, you know, you're in a tube. Um, surrounded by people, and uh, bathrooms in planes are bad. And, uh, you know, as a claustrophobic person, just listen to these verses, okay? Um, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul will make its boast in the Lord. The humble will hear it and rejoice. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he answered me, and he delivered me from all my troubles. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. They looked to him, and their, and their, and their faces were radiant. And then <clears throat> the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and rescues them. Isn't that a great passage, Psalm 34, the first part there, for claustrophobic people? Um, I know that... There are times when I will just want to saturate my mind with those truths because over and over and over again, because I, I believe scripture brings peace. And uh, I, I want to talk to you tonight about um, the sufficiency of scripture. And, <clears throat> and, you know, as we talk about this idea of authentic fellowship, uh, pointing each other to Christ with the scriptures because it is the word of Christ. And the written word of, of Christ reveals the living word, or, <clears throat> which is Jesus. Who is Jesus? And, uh, and so it's, a, it's living, and the word of God is living and active and uh, shows us the presence of Christ. And <clears throat> from claustrophobia to wherever, you know, the, we're, we're all in need of, of encouraging words. We're all in need of truth. We're all in need of of hearing from God on certain issues in our life, on every issue in our lives, uh, because he's speaking into our lives. And what he can do and what he does, I believe, is he takes confusion and chaos in our lives caused by sin or 
or because we have been sinned against. And, and he can bring order to that. And not only order to it, but peace. And, and strength and joy in the midst of that. Isaiah 9, 6 says, For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. It is significant that Jesus is called the Wonderful Counselor. He is the highest and ultimate one to whom we can turn for counsel, and his word as the well from which we draw divine wisdom. What could be more wonderful than that? In fact, one of the most glorious aspects of Christ's perfect sufficiency is the wonderful counsel and great wisdom he supplies in our times of despair, confusion, fear, anxiety, and sorrow. He is the quintessential counselor. And uh, so my hope, just in this session, that you would be encouraged a little bit more to, to trust God's word, to lean on him, to, to see that, that uh, his scriptures, that they are sufficient that they're complete. They're everything we need. And <clears throat> I want to just uh, share with you uh, something I learned from a guy named Brent Oakwin here. The all-sufficient power of God's word is demonstrated in creation, the fall, and the rest of his story of redemption. And if you open your Bibles and turn to Genesis chapter 1, verse Verses 1 and 2, it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. And so it's interesting that God, he created the heavens and the earth, but the earth, we see, um, that it was formless, that it was void, that there was darkness, that it was a watery mess. And that word for formless really is um, having no definition or no definite form of, uh, no, no definite form, there was confusion. It, it carries with it the idea of, of chaos, that there was an emptiness and a darkness it's not, and, and just covered with water. It's not the kind of place that you might go for vacation. Um, but what is interesting is it, that's what God decided to start with, this chaos. And then we're told that he began to speak into that. And if you, when you read Genesis 1, you see, I don't know, maybe 10, maybe more times where it says, then God said. And then as God began to speak, he began to speak, it, speak and he had a remedy or an answer for each one of those things. We getting a lot of feedback here? Okay. Chip shaped. Well, for the darkness, God said, let there be light. And there was light. For the deep, God said, to, to bring up the land, there was land. For the void, he began to fill the earth with life. And because it was formless, he brought order. He brought, and, and then ultimately, a garden, paradise. And, and that is all because God began to speak. God began to speak into the chaos and the confusion and, and he brought life, he brought order, he, he brought um, paradise. But that, you, you know the rest here, um, then Genesis 3. Because of sin, 
Adam and Eve were plunged into chaos. They started blaming each other. They started hiding from God. And they were afraid. And they were confused. But God immediately in Genesis 3.15 spoke into the situation. And he said, he, he, he spoke hope. He spoke of victory. And he spoke of peace. Immediately into the chaos and the confusion of their sin, God began to speak. And we know, again, the rest of the story of his redemption is God preparing the way for Jesus Christ in, in this fallen world. Because sin brings chaos, sin brings confusion, and God is speaking into that chaos and confusion. And he brings, uh, even into the smallest of things in my life, when I'm claustrophobic, when I begin to, when I begin to struggle, I, I want to turn to him and his word, and I, and I start to rehearse truths of scripture in my mind. And what I find is what begins with chaos uh, Many times I, I find God bringing peace to my heart because I'm believing what his word says. He's going to deliver me from my fear. I'm crying out to him. This poor man's crying out, Lord, deliver me from this trouble. And so God is continually speaking. And over and over and over again, isn't it interesting that we are moving towards paradise again? And so God speaks into with his word, his spoken word, he spoke into Genesis, and with his written word, he speaks into our lives, and he can speak into the fallenness. I heard a guy, um, Robert Kellerman, once say that we live in a fallen world, and sometimes it falls on us. And God, in that time of when, our, when, the, when the world falls on us, when we are sinned against, or, or because we're suffering, God speaks into those chaotic times, and he can bring order to that. Or if, if we still think that there's not order, he can still bring peace if we are not immediately delivered, which many times we're not. He wants us to trust him, and, and his word brings comfort, and his word brings strength, and he's speaking into our lives and, and can speak into our friends' lives, our families' lives, as we all go through chaotic times. God's word, he wants to speak into our lives and help us to know that He's got this, and that we can trust him, and that there can be peace and joy. <clears throat> and so God, is, God is, continues to speak. Well, <clears throat> want to look at the all-sufficient power of God's word, how he demonstrates that in people's lives and circumstances. About a year and a half ago, I got a phone call from my older brother telling me that my younger brother had been arrested. And what I'm about to share with you, I've spoken with my younger brother many times, and, and just last week he said, John, I want you to feel free to share whatever you want to share. He said, God is, God is still teaching me, and, I, and, and if someone can learn from what I have gone through, then um, please feel free to share. So my younger brother's name is Matt. <clears throat> Matt had been arrested because he went to a really dark place. In his heart, he had been divorced. He <clears throat> was uh, lonely, and he began to think on some really horrific things. And so he uh, went on the Internet and tried to contact somebody, but he didn't contact somebody. He actually was in contact with a police officer in Florida and didn't know it. And so they arrested him. And <clears throat> uh, for three months before he went to trial, they uh, tethered him to a 
GPS and he couldn't go anywhere. And <clears throat> I initially called him when I heard about it and I said, man, uh, he, he, was, he, was, he was broken and crying. Man, here's, here's some different psalms that I just want to encourage you to read. That, that God, I gave him Psalm 38, I gave him Psalm 51, I gave him Psalm 139. I just wanted him to read some things and be reaffirmed that God loves him and that God's in this and that God's going to work. And he, uh, so he said, okay. And so two weeks later, I call him and I said, hey, did you get a chance to read those? And he goes, you know what? I can't. I haven't read the Bible at all. He said, I'm afraid to read the Bible. I said, okay. So time goes by and a couple weeks later, I give him a call and, and uh, he says to me, John, the Bible's the most amazing book in the world. I said, why do you say that? He goes, I, I can't put it down. My, my mom would visit him and, and uh, pick up his laundry because he couldn't do it, <laughs> couldn't go anywhere. And um, uh, she said that 90% of the time when I walk into his apartment, he's at his desk reading his Bible, throwing himself into the scriptures. Uh, his trial was last March, and, and I tried to make it up there, but we had a snowstorm, and I couldn't. And um, so I spoke with him on the phone, and he said to me, uh, you know, I, I know whatever the judge says to me is what God wants in my life. Before, he was terrified to go to jail, and now he's saying, whatever, the, whatever God wants in my life, that's, that's what the, the judge, he goes, I'm going to take it as God speaking through that judge to me. <clears throat> And so he was, he was sentenced uh, three months in jail. And he was uh, in a jail for 22 hours out of the day. And, uh, and he had a Bible and postcards that people would send him. <clears throat> and he told me that he just kept reading the scriptures over and over and over. And, and later told me, he said, you know what? It, that's the best thing that ever happened to me. God knew I needed that. I put some of his quotes. I, it just, I asked him, I said, what are, what are some scriptures that were encouraging to you, and, and what, are, what, what would you say God taught you in them? And these are, He said, I found myself reading the Bible and growing in my faith. God was strengthening my faith as I read. I started not wanting what I wanted, but I wanted what God wanted for me. I began to have confidence in God's choices for me. God's word gave me perspective. I'm glad it happened to me because I don't think I would have sought him in his word like I did and like I am. From Matthew 21, 22, he said... <clears throat> All I asked for was Christ, and I'm content with what I have. I only want a stronger relationship with Christ. All I want is Christ. From Matthew 6, he says, God's word is informing me that I will be taken care of. <clears throat> I don't need to worry about it because I know he'll take care of me. I'm, I'm going to go with what God says and trust him. I'm, not going to, I'm going to be on the sex offender register for 25 years, but God is with me. He's disciplining me, and I'm thankful for it because I know he cares for me. And you take a, a man's life <clears throat> where before, if you knew my brother, uh, and, and you, you read these quotes now, uh, what I knew of him before and what I know of him now, there's, he's a totally different person. God has taken his word, the Holy Spirit has taken his word and spoken into my brother's life. And where he was broken, God began to mend and strengthen him and give him his perspective even in the most difficult times. Lots, lots of repentance. Lots of making things right with family and friends. <clears throat> Last year, my father-in-law was skiing. He skied a lot. He actually, um, I'm told, he uh, went to the University of Colorado because he wanted to ski uh, and then school after that. But 
he, he was an avid skier, skied all the time. Um, <clears throat> last year uh, in December, he, a year ago, December in uh, 2016, he, um, he, as he was skiing, he fell and he had a severe brain trauma. And he was in the hospital for six weeks and um, he went on to be with the Lord. And <clears throat> it was during that time, you know, uh, that we gathered around him um, and we reminded each other of the gospel. We reminded each other, we, we, we read, we talked about First Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. Um, and I don't know if you saw Billy Graham's funeral, but that's what Ann Graham Lotz uh, read and talked about. That found real hope in uh, the fact that we don't grieve as those who have no hope, but we have hope because of Christ. And in there, in, in 1 Thessalonians 4.15, it says, For this we say to you by the word of the Lord. It's God's word that we comfort one another. In my opinion, and one of the worst things that we could experience is the loss of a loved one. What does God give us in the loss of a loved one? He gives us his word. He gives us the gospel. He says, this is enough for you. You need to trust me. This is enough. And I, I just think that's amazing that, that by the testimony of scripture, that we're, we're given his word to, to have comfort. Um, <clears throat> throughout the years, I've met with young men who have struggled with pornography. And uh, a lot of times we go to Colossians and, and I want to show them the, su the, the supremacy of Christ and lifting up Jesus in their eyes. And so they, I ask them, please read Colossians uh, chapter 1. And then we move to Colossians 2 and 3. And uh, a number of young men have come to me afterwards and they have said, you know, as I really understand how amazing Jesus is, what Colossians is saying, is that Jesus really is supreme, that he's the one I need to value more than anything else. And as I was, one young man said to me, the more I focused on Jesus in his word, the more that stuff really looked disgusting to me. And so then we, we would talk about what it means to put off sinful thinking and put on the word of God and replace the, <clears throat> this, this pull towards pornography, replace that when, when that comes to let that prompt you to, to, to think on the scriptures that you're reading and they, they would find victory. Well, we know the power of God's word um, that is all sufficient because uh, it's so intricate in our salvation. Romans 10, 17 says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. I find it interesting that in, in uh, Colossians 3.16, we're told that the word of Christ is to richly dwell within us. And that word dwell is in the present tense, meaning there's really no end to the action of the dwelling, that it's something that we're to do continually. The same in Philippians 4.8, where it says, um, <clears throat> think whatever is true, whatever is pure, whatever is right, whatever, um, and I forgot from there, but... Um, but think on these things, and that word think is in the present tense, and so there's really no end to that action. At the transfiguration, when, when Peter and James and John were there, and, and Jesus is transfigured, and they hear a voice from heaven, God the Father says, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. Listen is in the present tense. Don't ever stop listening to Jesus. Continually listen and so we see this idea in our sanctification as well, that Jesus prayed to his father, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. And, uh, <clears throat> and so it is this becoming more like Jesus 
the sanctification process. The, the word of God is so important as we have opportunity to talk with people. And as we find ourselves giving advice on just casual conversations, it's, it's the word of God in, as brothers and sisters in Christ that is so crucial that we become more and more aware that I, the advice I give, what does the Bible have to say? I want to I be someone who gives advice that from, from the scriptures because it is from the scriptures that life change happens. It is the truth that they need. Well, I want to look at um, the all-sufficient power of God's word demonstrated in Psalm 19. Okay? So Psalm 19, verses 7 through 9. We're going we're gonna to look at those closely here. Psalm 19 is a wonderful passage. It starts out with verses 1 through 6, really kind of talking about God's uh, general revelation and how God's general revelation points to his glory. The stars, the heavens, uh, the general revelation of God that, that even Romans 1 talks about, that because of how amazing God is, we can see it in creation, and his creation gives him glory. And we can look at his creation and give him glory because of who he is. And then beginning with verses 7, and then 7 through the end of the uh, chapter, we're talk, David talks about his specific revelation, where God is specifically communicating to us through his word and the power of his word. And so <clears throat> I want to look at this um, Psalm 19, verses 7 through 9. Hang on. Do you know where Psalm 19 is, you guys? There it is. It's a good one. All right. The Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandments of the Lord, the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true. They are righteous altogether. And so what we're going to look at here is we're going to look at um, six names for God's word. Six characteristics in God's word. And then six effects that God's word has on people who believe it and embrace it, okay? <clears throat> but before we do that, I just want you to see that we see here in each one of those, in the six where it says the law of the Lord, the precepts of the Lord, the testimonies of the Lord, the commandment of the Lord, the fear of the Lord, um, <clears throat> we see that the source of God's word is God himself. David wanted to clearly communicate that. Six times we see the phrase of the Lord. God is the source of our, our, our Bibles that we're holding in our hands. Paul wanted to communicate the same truth in 2 Timothy 3.16, where it says all scripture is inspired, meaning breathed out by God, and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. Peter wanted to communicate the same thing in, in 2 Peter 1.20, verses 20 and 21. says, knowing this first of all, that no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. 
all of scripture and all its parts down to the very words of the original text were given by divine inspiration. God breathed. It's exactly what God wanted to communicate to his people. We have such a wonderful book, a wonderful gift, a wonderful treasure, God communicating to us. Well, let's look at the six names. We're going to kind of break it down that way. The first one we see is the law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. The law, this word law emphasizes God's design for scripture to teach us, to teach us really in what we believe, in what we are as far as our character and our identity, and what we are to do, our conduct. That's what the, the nature of, script, of the scripture is God wants to teach us. He wants to teach us what we believe. God is our connection to reality. Before the enemy Satan entered, there was only one voice Adam and Eve was listening to, and that was God himself. And then in Genesis 3, another voice, another counselor, if you want to say, was, interject, was, was introduced, and they went with the liar, the deceiver. But God is the one who, the word of God is our connection to what is real and what is true, and it teaches us on what we should believe, what we should be like, and what we should do, and how we should act. You know, I remember... Um, as a dad, I have three daughters and two sons. As a dad, I, <clears throat> I had heard this, and I don't remember where I heard it, but I heard that um, as dads, we have the opportunity to help our daughters interpret the world of men. And so I wanted to help them understand what men should be like, you know? And, um, <clears throat> and this is what God has done for us. He's interpreting the world for us. He's helping us to see uh, what we should believe in this world. What should our character be in this world? And how should we conduct ourselves? That is the law of the Lord, and it is sourced, and he is the source. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Testimony emphasizes that scripture is a divine witness to who God is and what he calls us to. Scripture opens the curtain so that we can see it's a divine witness. It's a divine testimony. You know, I, was, uh, I had jury duty uh, when I lived in Illinois, and I didn't like it. Um, but, uh, <clears throat> you know, we heard about the case, and it was uh, a yucky case. Uh, but it wasn't until, we, you know, we heard from each attorney and what we should believe from each one of them. Um, but then it wasn't until the real witnesses got on the stand and they were signed, and they were supposed to tell the truth. We hope they did. Uh, and it wasn't until they started to be the witness, the testimony, give testimony to what actually happened, and we were able to listen and put it all together as a jury. And so at the end of three days, we, we had our time to deliberate, and <clears throat> it took us about three hours to come to the conclusion, but we said he's guilty. And, um, <clears throat> and so the judge comes in to visit with us after we were all done, he goes, you guys did a really good job. He said, it would have taken me five minutes, but you guys did a good job. And uh, thanks, Judge. Um, but we were, we were thankful. We were thankful because we were able to listen to the witnesses, the, 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 the testimonies. And, and this is what God's word is for us. It is a testimony. It, it gives us a witness, a divine witness, in, into who God is and what he's like. 
The precepts of the Lord, precepts are divine principles and guidelines for character and conduct. He has placed in scripture every principle we need to live for his glory. We are not lacking anything. We are designed to hear from God, and his precepts are designed to cause joy in our hearts, which we'll look in in a little bit. So we have also the commandment of the Lord is pure. It is enlightening to the eyes. Commandment, this, the word emphasizes scripture's non-optional nature. It is not a book of suggestions. It is authoritative and binding. Take it, likely to, take it lightly to your peril or take it seriously for your eternal good. It is God's word to us. It's his command to us. Uh, an acquaintance of mine was a... Uh, um, professor at a community college, and he was teaching um, philosophy and religion. And so on the board, he wrote uh, for the Christian faith. He was just talking about all different faiths. And for the Christian faith, he wrote John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. He wrote those two, and he started to talk about them. And he said that there was a student in the back just with his feet up, and he, he has his pen, he's got his notebook, and he goes, and he goes, yeah. He goes, do we need to know that? <laughs> How ironic. Yeah. Your eternal destiny is at stake. Of course you need to know it. It's the most important thing you could ever know. You know, but he was just viewing it as one other thing. But the idea here is the commandment of the Lord. It is non-negotiable. We cannot ignore them. The fear of the Lord, this is a cinnamon, it's cinnamon, it's cinnamon, it's really taste-worthy, it's really good. Synonym for God's word. Fear refers to being in reverential awe of God. Scripture is a book that leads us and helps us to worship the Lord. I don't know about you, but I, as I was watching Billy Graham's funeral, it, it was a worship experience for me as I heard testimonies of his children and testimonies from other people and the little video clips and things like that. It was just, it was, it, it reminded me of Psalm 34, verse 2. My soul will make its boast in the Lord. The humble will hear it and rejoice. And so all over the world, the humble are listening and they get it. It's on Fox News. Not everybody's getting it because they might not belong to Christ and don't understand that here is Jesus being exalted and our hearts are singing with joy. And the, the word of God is the, the fear of the Lord. The word produces worshipers. It prompts us to praise him. Psalm 914 tells us that this idea of hearing about the praises of God prompts us to worship. And, and also Psalm 78.4 talks about this idea of passing the word of God on to the next generation. And uh, the word praises refers to all of, all of God's mighty works. And when people hear about God's mighty works from his word, they fear him and they worship him. And then the judgments of the Lord are true. They are righteous altogether. This refers to God's word being the standard for judging the life and eternal destiny of every person. We are to judge all things using God's word. It is our standard and filter in which we view all of life. It is our standard and it is our future. Our filter to view all of life, everything. I remember having a discussion with a young man a number of years ago and 
And uh, he said, you know, what do you think about marijuana? Do you think it's okay, especially when it's legalized? Is, is it okay if we, we start smoking it? And I, I said, no. He goes, well, what if it's legal? I said, well, abortion's legal. Um, and uh, there are some things that are legal that are, that are not good. Recreational use of marijuana, not good. Because I believe Ephesians 5.18 tells me it's not good for me to be controlled by any other thing except the Holy Spirit. And so we want to use the word as a filter, as a standard, as a judge in our lives. And, in, and as we share with other people in speaking the truth of love, helping them to see the importance that the judgments of the Lord are true. God's word is the standard. Well, I want to look at um, the six characteristics. The law of the Lord is perfect. This emphasizes the idea of it being whole or complete or sufficient. The word of God is completely sufficient. It is the idea that scripture is comprehensive so as to cover all aspects of an issue. It's lacking in nothing. Peter echoes this in 2 Peter 1.3, seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. His word is perfect, completely, completely sufficient for the spiritual needs of, of each person. I just want to mention just a, a quick word about um, medication, okay? And, um, and I don't believe medication is um, completely sufficient, <laughs> but I just want to say uh, something about it. And I, I have uh, two paragraphs from Michael Emlett's book that I want to really encourage you to get because the, uh, you can come up and ask me questions about this, but I'm just going to point you to the book, so save your time. Uh, descriptions and prescriptions of biblical perspective on psychiatric diagnosis and medications. He gives a balanced approach. So just bear with me as I read these two paragraphs. I think they're helpful. Medications are gifts of God's grace or medications can be used as, idol, as idols. I believe it is right to view the development of psychoactive medications as a good gift from God, an extension of the ruling and stewarding function he gave us, he gave to humanity at creation. At its best, scientific discovery explores God's world in all its astounding complexity and seeks to alleviate some of the menace, the misery we experience as fallen creatures in a fallen world. As such, we should receive medications gratefully and humbly, but not forgetting the one who has given the, ne the necessary gifting and wisdom to scientists and physicians to discover such remedies. Ultimately, he alone upholds the things, all things with his righteous right hand. Sadly, however, I have met people who are, who are better evangelists for Prozac than they are for the living God. Rather than viewing medication as simply one component of a full-orbed, God-centered, body-soul treatment approach, they view it almost as if it were their salvation. By definition, this is idolatry, attributing ultimate power and help to something other than our triune God. If a counselee believes that what ultimately matters is fine-tuning the dose of Paxil, and finds discussion of spiritual things irrelevant, that's a problem. One, one more paragraph, I think so. Medication can be an appropriate and even necessary part of someone's care, depending on the specific nature of a person's struggle. Yet we must admit that a great deal of mystery remains about how psychoactive medications actually work in the human brain. We take care to remain balanced in our assessment of the effectiveness of medications. We neither exalt them nor disregard them. Even if we do view medication as a potential piece in a comprehensive ministry approach, we always seek to bring the riches of Christ's redemption to bear upon people's lives. Sinners will always need mercy, grace, forgiveness, and supernatural power to love God and neighbor. Sufferers will always need comfort, hope, and the will to 
persevere. Ultimately, these blessings are found not in a pill bottle, but in the person of Jesus Christ. So I think it's a good balanced approach. But I, Dr. Emlett is a, um, a retired physician, and now he's a biblical counselor. Um, he's the director of um, CCEF in Pennsylvania. So I encourage you to look that book up. <clears throat> Moving on, I just want to mention that the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. This word means scripture is unwavering and movable, worthy to be trusted. It provides a solid foundation to build our life and and eternal destiny on. It is sure. It reminds me of, um, in 2 Peter, um, I'm going to read it for you. 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 16 through 21. For we did not follow cleverly devised tales when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when we received honor and glory from God the Father, such as an utterance as this was made to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son with whom I'm well pleased. And we ourselves heard this utterance made from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. So we have the prophetic word made more sure, to which you do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. But know this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. It's it's just amazing because after recalling the transfiguration, where where they went up to the holy mountain and and Jesus transfigures in in front of them and they can see him glorified, we see that that Moses and Elijah show up, which would be the second miracle. And then the third miracle is, is a voice from heaven. This is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. I find it interesting that Peter didn't say, man, if you guys could only experience what we've experienced, then your faith would be really strong. These miracles are awesome. Peter knew a more sound and sure basis of faith that signs and wonders were not the word of God. And so after seeing such amazing and experiencing such amazing things, these miracles, Peter's attention, his takeaway was, isn't God's word amazing? It is more sure because of what happened. He points to the scriptures. Peter affirms the sure and true word of God that every word in the Bible comes from God himself. The precepts of the Lord are right. Because the word is right, it shows us the true path. There's lots of paths out there. Life is confusing and life can be full of chaos, but God directs us by giving us purpose and a plan. We know that he not only, the lamp, the, the word is like a lamp lighting our, our path and, and, uh, and it's, it's a light that lights up where, where we should take the next step. God's word gives answers, but it also gives us the opportunity to have strength and joy when those answers, when we're still waiting for them. And so God's word is right. The commandment of the Lord is pure. This means that it is clear. It is telling us the truth. God's revealed truth to us. God's word brings Christ into, into focus for us. I find it interesting, John 14, 21, when Jesus is talking, he's saying, if you have my word and you love and you obey my word, he says, he, he gives a promise, then I will disclose myself to you. It's through the word of God that Jesus discloses himself to us. He reveals himself to us more and more, and we can grow in intimacy with him. His word is pure. <clears throat> now, <clears throat> there are some confusing things in the Bible, for sure. You know, where um, Peter says that even Paul writes some things that are confusing. But as a, as a whole, the book, the Bible, um, 
it is, it is a pretty understandable book because of the Holy Spirit's role in our lives, helping us to understand what God is wanting to communicate to us. The fear of the Lord is clean. This word clean conveys the reality that God's word is without sin or error. It is flawless, absolutely free from corruption. Like Psalm 12, 6 says, the words of the Lord are pure words as silver tried in a furnace on the earth refined seven times. You know, um, uh, the, the commercial where it says, you know, he went to Jared. What is that, right, the jewelry thing? He went to Jared. Well, that's great. Um, <clears throat> I've never been to Jared. Sorry, Susan, she's not here. But, um, but uh, you know, they, 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 they make it sound like it's the most amazing thing you could ever do is go to Jared. And, and just the pure jewelry that comes from Jared. You know, every kiss comes from Kay, go to Jewel. It doesn't matter. But, but the idea here is that the words of, of the Lord are pure words. There's nothing like them. I, I love, um, I love, uh, oh, I, there was a guy and another guy. It was a great story. Let's move on. Um, <clears throat> <clears throat> there was a guy, and I can't remember his name. If you want to throw it out to me, that's great. I'll take it. Um, King's College. He founded King's College. King, no, his name wasn't King, but a great guy. Someone asked him, he was sitting next to Ronald Reagan, and someone came up to him and said, hey, what was it like to sit next to the President of the United States, Ronald Reagan? He goes, son, he goes, I talked to God today. <laughs> Ronald Reagan's nothing. He's a nice guy, but compared to God, no way. And so it's, it's such a privilege to, to go to the Lord because his word is clean. His word is true. The judgments of the Lord are true. Um, means it's ultimate truth. Truth on origins, life's purpose, life, death, love, hope, security, heaven and hell, truth on marriage, truth on sexuality, truth on relationships. It is the truth, according to John 8:32, that sets us free from our own sin, our own struggles. The judgments of the Lord are true. I want to look at the effects that the scriptures have on the heart, on the soul of people. Look at 1 Thessalonians 2.13. For this reason, we also constantly thank God that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but for what it really is, the word of God, which also performs its work in you who believe. God wants us to embrace the word. He wants us to believe that it is his word. And he wants to do an amazing work as we're in the word and the word is in us. The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul, reviving, refreshing, transforming. I, th I think of Philippians 1, 6, that God promised to continue this faithful work that he began in us. And it takes the word of God, this, this, this work that we would be more and more like Jesus. He transforms our souls. It's, it's wonderful to be able to talk to somebody who's struggling with anxiety and share with them 1 Peter 5, 7. Cast all your cares, cast all your anxiety on the Lord because he cares for you. And be able to talk through that and, and understand that that is a scripture that can be so encouraging and helpful. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. This conveys a naive person doesn't know when not to listen to false or impure teaching. They can be undiscerning or gullible, but God's word can make them wise. It means a simple person will not only know the right thing, but to do the right thing and become skillful in godly living. That's what God's word can do in a person's life. Take someone who's naive and, and God's word can help them live skillfully. Uh, with his word. 
That meant a lot to me as I was a dad. It meant a lot to me because I <clears throat> have five children. Um, the youngest is 19 now. Um, we, <clears throat> we had three children, and then we decided to adopt two children, and that scared me as well. But this verse it was so encouraging to me because how do you be a dad? And then how do you be a dad um, when you adopt kids? How do you do that? I'm really simple. And, and God's word helped. I looked to God's word on how to be a dad and how to love my children. And I can read. And so I can read them the Bible. We can talk about it. Um, but it makes simple. It makes the wise. It makes the simple wise. The precepts of the Lord are rejoicing the heart. God's word produces joy. This is not shallow or fleeting happiness tied to self-indulgent pursuits or tied to circumstance. The joy that, um, it's the same kind of joy that Jesus talked about in, in John 15, 11. He says, abide in me, let my words abide in you. And then he says, and, and I'm saying these things to you so that uh, you will have my joy. My joy will be in you. And it's the same joy when you think about it. He wants to do a joy transplant. And, and as we read in the scriptures, his word helps produce joy in our hearts. My mother-in-law um, had um, some um, blood transfusions. I remember her saying one time that when she was receive a blood transfusion, she just felt strength again and alive. And I just think about this idea of going to the scriptures and helping others in the scriptures, how the scriptures produce joy and gives us strength. And <clears throat> it's, it, Jesus wants to do a joy transfusion in our lives. He wants to give us his joy, the same joy that helped him endure the cross because he was able to endure the cross because of the joy set before him. Um, the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. God's word brings clarity. It brings understanding where there is ignorance. Um, we give advice. We all do it. Um, I appreciated um, a, a friend of mine who discipled me. His name's George Thomas. When I would go to him and I would ask his advice, he would say this. What do you think God's word has to say about it? I love that about him. He trained me. <laughs> What, is, what do you think God's word has to say about it? Just keep looking back to the word because it enlightens the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. You know, there's, I mentioned uh, at, a small, at a community group last night that there are three, thing, three things leaving the planet uh, when all is said and done. I heard this from Howard Hendricks. Uh, people are going to leave the planet and live forever. God's word is going to live forever, endure forever, and the Holy Spirit. And so why not be about the business of investing the word of God, the eternal word of God, into people who are eternal in the power of the Holy Spirit? Because it, those three things will endure forever. And it's a, it's a wonderful promise. The judgments of the Lord are true. They are righteous altogether. It, it, this is the idea of being sanctified. God's truth produces a comprehensive righteousness to all who believe, to all who accept it for what it really is, and trust the Lord as they're reading his word. It goes back to John 17, 17, where Jesus prayed, sanctify them in the truth, your word is truth. And after going through all of that, David comes back and he says, because of the sufficiency of God's word, David closes his psalm with the importance of embracing it. Psalm 19, 10 through 14, they are more desirable than gold, yes, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them, your servant is warned and keeping them, there is great reward. We're warned and there's great reward for embracing the word of God. So I hope um, in some way you are encouraged tonight to trust and have confidence in the word of God. And as you read it for yourself and memorize it for yourself and you 
you're, you're looking to the Lord for strength, that you would find, that you'd be reminded that God's word is sufficient, completely sufficient for, for all that we need. And that as you look for opportunity to share with people, what does God's word have to say about it? Taking God's word and sharing it because it will transform and encourage and bring great joy and enlighten eyes. Um, and uh, so it's a, it's a great opportunity. How about if I close in prayer? Father, thank you for this opportunity to read your word, to talk about it. And uh, Lord, we're so thankful for your amazing word. I pray that you would give us opportunity after opportunity to share it with others and to embrace it ourselves. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you.